You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. We asked the question, what does it mean to be Christian? And we answered it to be wholeheartedly and exclusively or to wholeheartedly and exclusively trust in the person and the claims of Jesus Christ, activating a new birth that results in a lifestyle that mirrors his values, Jesus' values, teaching, and ways so that others may see and know him. Three weeks now, we've looked at this core statement of Jesus, for God so loved the world. This is how big the invitation of God is and the heart of God is today. And so God is including. He is inclusive to the degree that he wants the whole world to know that he loves them. He loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So all of a sudden, the inclusivity of God becomes very exclusive. Everyone is loved by God, and he is moving in love towards every person on planet Earth, but he's inviting them to know his love through the one and only Son, that whoever, we're coming back to the broadness of this invitation again, whoever believes, this is our series, and this word means entrust, entrust their present and eternity to the person and claims of Christ, not just mentally believes, but is putting their present and future in the bank of Jesus, whoever believes. So that's everybody is available. Your neighbor, your family member that you think they're never going to come to Christ, they're never going to come to faith. Uh, your, your coworker that you think they will never come to faith in God. No, whoever believes. So it's wide again, but now we see the exclusivity of the claims of Jesus. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in the one and only Son of God. So to be Christian is to believe, and to believe is to entrust. But when we believe and entrust, we are born to new life. So it's to wholeheartedly and exclusively trust in the person and claims of Jesus Christ. But that activates a new birth and results in a lifestyle. Can we all say lifestyle together? In a lifestyle that mirrors Jesus' values, mirrors Jesus' teaching, and mirrors Jesus' ways so that others may see and know him. So we turned the page last week and asked the question, if we're kind of understanding what it means to be a Christian or to be Christian, what does it mean to live like a Christian or what does it look like to live like a Christian? Last week we said it looks like being Christ-like. It, it looks like being in love with God. <laughs> it looks like, number three, extending grace. It looks like, number four, shining light. And it looks like, number five, giving generously, specifically to champion those who are in the greatest need. This is what it looks like to live as a Christian. 
And we see this summed up in Jesus' words in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And we read this in the NIV in a translation of Scripture last week. I'm reading it today in a paraphrase of Scripture from Eugene Peterson. So this is not a translation, it's a paraphrase. But Eugene Peterson, in the message, just so happens that he's a great Greek scholar and a great Hebrew scholar. So he's translating from original languages into a paraphrase for our generation. And this is the way he captures the words of Jesus. Let me tell you, he says in Matthew 5, 13, why you are here. You're here, this sort of sums up these first five things. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and you'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. No, we're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. To be Christian, to live as a Christian, is to shine so that the world can see Him. But a few more as we wrap up today. Number six, and I couldn't get this one into two words. I'm sorry. Uh, A good wordsmith here will do that for us. Um, Number six, what does it look like to live as a Christian? It, It looks like proclaiming good news. Proclaiming good news. See how we're in teaching in class mode? No, no amen, no smile, no nothing, no nod, no response at all of any kind. No heart rates went up. To proclaim good news. In other words, to be a Christian is not to go around telling people more bad news. To live as a Christian is to go through life telling people good news. And I'm telling you, the world needs good news. Where do we get this idea from? We get the idea from the fact that we're called to proclaim the gospel. We talk about this in Passion City all the time. We want to preach the gospel. We want to lift up the claims of the gospel. We want to be a gospel-centered church. But what is gospel? 116. Everybody knows 116, I think, if you've been around church a minute. Um, Romans 116. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. First to the Jew and then to the Gentile. First to the place the story of Jesus came to, to the Jewish people, but then to the Gentile, to everybody. I'm not ashamed, Paul was saying, of the gospel. But what does gospel mean? It's a Greek word, euangelion, and euangelion means good news. So whenever you hear the word gospel, just put good news in. 
I'm not ashamed of the good news because the good news is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who what? Believes everyone who entrusts their present and their eternity with the claims and the person of Jesus Christ. And everyone who believes, they find salvation in the gospel, in the good news. So what does it mean to live as a Christian? It means to carry good news and proclaim it. Jesus said through Mark in his gospel, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel. In Matthew 24, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world to all people, and then the end will come. And here's the best part of those statements. The word preach doesn't mean there's going to be somebody on a platform giving a sermon. It doesn't mean by preaching as in what I'm doing right now. It means it will be told, proclaimed, shared, spread. So that means everybody can be a part. Not somebody on a platform, but everybody who's got good news can tell people good news. And it comes from that word euangelion. And here's the cool part of that. If you take that word and you move it into the Latin, you get the word evangel. It comes from the E or the U and the angelion, the jail, evangel. And evangel means good news. So when you evangelize, you're just telling people good news. And if you're an evangelical, you're a part of a political subgroup. Now you are a denominational supergroup. Now you are somehow linked to a political party. And I'm like, no, no, no. We got to get back to the, to the Bible, people. An evangelical is a good news bearer. And I am a good news bearer because I have received the good news. And I know that I have the privilege of sharing the good news. And there is a lot of bad news in this world, but I'm telling you, there is a headline above every headline, and it is that there is a God in heaven who loves people enough that he gave his one and only son. And I have the privilege as a Christian of carrying that message. Now, you know, I was in a conversation with somebody recently, and they said, well, you know, the word Christian's not in the Bible. And th this is a problem of our generation. We're one-line zingers. One-line slingers. And they just come out so easy. I'm like, where did you hear that? Like somebody at a party <laughs> said, you know, the word Christian's not in the Bible. Like, oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. Dude's up there talking about being Christians. <laughs> it's not even in the Bible, bro. I, I know it's not, except in that one time in Acts where it is. <laughs> and the person said back to me, yeah, but that's a misinterpretation. I was like... I know, except for the fact that in the Greek, in the one time that it is in Acts, it's the word Christus, which means Christian. We, we've got to get back to the heart of God's word. And in the heart of God's word, he says, I want you to live as a believer as a Christian. And as a Christian, I want you to proclaim good news because people need it. 
Now, there's a footnote here because our culture is wanting to, to shape the conversation oftentimes to get rid of all the bad news. And so the culture will want me to think that God loves me because I'm so amazing. And I am so amazing that I am loved by God. But here, here's the thing. I am amazing because I was made in the image of God. But humanity has a problem. And I'm human, and that means I have a problem. And if you knew me super well, you'd go, you do have some problems. <laughs> And the problem of humanity causes humans to do terrible things to themselves and to other people. And the problem of humanity causes humans to fight Yahweh. But God loves humans. Because they're made in his image. And so he solved humanity's problem by making our problem his son's problem. So that we who had a problem that we couldn't solve could through his son be called sons and daughters of God. This is good news. It's good news. But you have to embrace that there's some bad news, that humanity has a problem. It doesn't mean that you're defective. It just means that you chose a path that brought death. And God overcomes that with his love. And he's saying, would you, would you tell everybody on the planet the good news? In other words, would you be generous with your life because generosity invites curiosity? Would you be ready to use words when people are curious about your life? Would you be up for them investigating your claims? Because they're probably not going to say the first time you tell them why you're generous is because God was generous to you through Jesus. Oh, well, then I want to follow Jesus and surrender my life to him. They might have questions, questions about the Bible, questions about faith, questions about who God is. And so you need to be ready for that. And, um, and it's okay. You don't have to freak out. You can just... Uh, have a couple of things in your back pocket that you know are good reference points. Like we were in D.C. a few weeks ago and Pastor Ben preached this amazing message on the reliability of Scripture. And I knew a lot of the things he was teaching, but a lot of people hadn't heard all of them. And I learned some new things that day. And I, I could answer that question if someone had said, you know, the Bible, another one of those one-line zingers uh, that we're so good at. You know, the Bible has been changed over thousands of years by thousands of people. It can't be trusted. That sounds so great. Um, and so for 35 minutes, Ben just completely destroyed that argument. And at the end of it, anybody who has got an open mind and isn't closed-minded would see this book as the most trustworthy piece of literature anyone's ever held in their hand. 
And I could help that conversation if somebody said, hey, why are you so generous? And I said, Jesus has been generous to me. They said, oh, I don't want to believe in the Bible. Well, I could help them through that. But I also know the YouTube link to Ben's talk. And I would just send them the link. I said, I'm going to text you something. Take 35 minutes. I encourage you to watch this talk. It'll really help you get your mind around this. So be prepared. Be ready for some investigation. Have a couple of resources at hand. Know what five questions people are going to ask and have a book or a clip or a link that you can send them and say, hey, that's great. I, I, it's a good question. Here's, here's a resource for you. At the end of all that, know that there's going to be a process and then leave the results to God. And then repeat. Keep being generous. <laughs> Keep inviting curiosity. Keep using words to tell about Jesus. Know that people are going to investigate. Have some good tools for them. Let it be a process and leave the results to God. Some will say yes. Some will say maybe. Some will say not, not quite now. Some will say no way in Hades. Leave the results to God. Keep being generous. Proclaim good news. Number seven, and I'll move quickly through this one to the last. There's two more. Uh, to, to live as a Christian is to make disciples. Can I get an amen? I know, I know it's class time, but can I get an amen? amen? Has anyone poured into your life? Can I see a show of hands? Spiritually, has anybody poured into your life? What does it mean to be a, a disciple? Uh, the word comes from a Greek word, obviously, and to disciple, here, here's the word helps. I just copied it all and pasted it into my notes. Helping someone to progressively learn the word of God to become a mature, growing disciple, literally a learner, a true Christ follower, to train, develop in the truths of scripture and the lifestyle required. Helping a believer learn to be a disciple of Christ in belief and practice. Has anybody ever done that for you? Anybody ever taught you how to pray, how to read the Bible, who is God, how to understand the story of God? Anybody done this for anybody here? Somebody invested in you to help you grow spiritually. And that's what Jesus has asked us to do. Jesus left us with something to do. When he ascended to heaven, he left us with something to do. This is the way Matthew records it. He says at the end of the gospel, all authority, these are Jesus' words, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And we're going to do that in just a couple of minutes at the end of this gathering right here. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, Jesus said, I am with you, or I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This phrase, therefore, go and make disciples, most literally is translated, as you're on your way, make disciples. Wherever it is that you happen to be going, as a Believer, as a follower of the way, as a Christian, as a disciple, make disciples because the way you became a mature follower was that someone invested in you and helped you grow. So now I would love for you to invest in someone else to help them grow. 
So we ask, who has had someone do this for you? So we have to ask, who are you doing this for? You're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. I haven't been to seminary. I don't have any degrees. I don't even know where you get these Greek words. I'm not even really 100% sure what, why we're talking about Greek words. I couldn't do that. All you need to do to be a disciple maker is to be a step or two ahead of someone else in their faith journey so that you can teach them what you've learned in your two steps ahead of them. That you see them and you invest in them to help them grow. Maybe at the same time while somebody else is seeing you and investing you in helping you grow. This is what it looks like to live as a Christian. It is not a box that you check on the census. It is to say, I want to become a mature follower. And the way I do that is to have somebody further down the road helping me. And I want to help somebody else who's less down the road than I am get a little further in their faith as well. And then lastly, number eight, and this is probably where Jesus wants us to land most, to, to live as a Christian is to love one another. And Jesus couldn't have said it more clearly. He said in John's gospel, a new command I give you, love one another. Can we just say those three words? Love one another. How? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Do you know how God has loved you? I'm asking. Do you know how God has loved you? He has loved you with more love than anybody on this planet times a, a trillion. He loved you before. He, it says, and this is how God showed his love to us or demonstrated his love to us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God saw us in our need and said, I love you so much. I'm going to move toward you before you even know who I am. I'm moving your way. And I am giving sacrificially to you before you even could do one thing for me. Because I love you that much. He says, have you received that kind of love? Do you know that's how much you're loved? Do you know that you are valued and prized like that? Do you know that you matter more to God than a sparrow who falls than the lilies of the field? Do you know that he sees you and you were on his radar and he was willing to span eternity to have a relationship with you? If you have received this kind of love, show that kind of love to each other. Why? Because this is the way everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I don't think we can get our arms around the whole global church right now, the whole online church right now, and, and lean this way. <laughs> that feels a little overwhelming to me, but I know that we can put our arms around Passion City Church and say, we're going to be this church. This word for love is the word agape. It's the same word we find when we go back here to John 3.16. And when it says, for God so loved the world. It's one of several words that are used in, in the Greek for love in the New Testament. But this word agape, and I'm just translating it out of the, the Greek word, 
is a special kind of love. And in its meaning, it carries with it the idea that I prefer you. I prefer God. I prefer what God wants. And I prefer you. Isn't that what Paul wrote when he said, consider others more than yourselves? Is there anything more cross-current to fallen humanity than that idea? That I'm going to join a family of faith of believers in Christ and I'm going to prefer other people in the family more than myself. You say, Lou, that just feels like I'm putting myself behind the eight ball and, and you know, counting myself with no value. No, you, you got a whole family of people who are preferring you while you're preferring them. You stand at an altar, what are you committing to? I'm committing to putting your needs before my needs, and you're committing to put my needs before your needs. No one loses in that marriage. And no one loses in a family where you say, in the name of Christ and for the sake of Christ, I want to prefer. I want to prefer God, and I want to prefer you. That doesn't mean I'm sacrificing truth. We are standing on the unchanging truths of God's character and his word. It doesn't mean we cease to be light in a dark world. It just means that we don't try to kill each other. That we think a hundred times before we cut somebody. That we realize I'm family. We're family. We will stand up for the gospel. We will not waver on the gospel. But you may differ with me a little bit on this or that or the other, and I'm going to do my best in the grace of God to prefer you as a human being enough to understand you. And I'm going to talk to you and not about you. I'm going to talk with you and I'm not going to post about you. I'm going to stay in my lane, in our house, in my family, in my business. And if there's somebody over there in another lane, I'm not going to take it on myself to go get in their lane and throw a little zinger into their world. I'm going to work on being Christ-like. I'm going to work on loving God. God. I'm going to work on leading with grace, shining light, being generous to people, proclaiming good news, making disciples of people, and I'm going to try to love my brother and my sister. I'm going to fight for them. I'm going to lift them. I'm going to cheer for them. I'm going to pray for them long before I criticize them. I'm going to go to them in private because I don't want us to look like a mess to the world. So I'm going to do everything in my power to solve this difference we have in peace and in privacy. And if it can't be solved that way, the Bible will lead us in other ways. But whoever tries the first ways. I'm just, I'll say it out loud. Christians need to get off the comment sections of social media because it doesn't solve one thing. Show me one post where somebody comes in with a bomb and somebody else comes in with another one. And at the end of the long thread, that's not even on their post. They go, oh, you know what? I, that is so amazing. I see your point And I think we should reconcile. I've never seen it. So why get in it? 
It's the world's fight. It's the world's way. It's the world's alley. And he said to us, love each other. I'm not talking about loving the world. I'm talking about just love each other the way I loved you. And when you do, this is how the world will know they're a part of the agape house. They're part of the agape house. What, what is the agape house? It's a place where everyone's need is met. It's a place where no one has lack because everyone has enough. That's right. And that's our house. Leading into this season of above and beyond, that is our house. In, in the recent days, you, you wouldn't even know because it, it doesn't need to be public. But if you're generous to this house and you're a part of the house of love, if you're a part of agape, if you preferred someone else and said, you know, I could either take this money and buy something else for me, or I could put it into the kingdom of God and trust that Passion City is going to steward it well. If you've been a part of that in this house, in recent days, you've helped someone pay their mortgage. In recent days, you've helped a family in our church pay their medical bills that they couldn't pay. In recent days, you helped a single mom cover her bills because she's between jobs. In recent days, you met tangible needs of families in our house, not just people all throughout our cities. You know, I didn't know we did that. Of course we do that because we're a house of love. And no one is going to be left behind in this house. You're like, well, I didn't didn't even know that was an option. That's because you're not plugged into the house. Because you wouldn't even know who to talk to or who to ask or where to start. That means you're coming, but you're not connecting. That means you're in a gathering, but you haven't yet become part of the family. Because this family is a generous family of love. And I believe that we can be known. Passion City Church, those people have a love. They fight for each other. They defend each other. Yes, they challenge each other. They call each other up, but they do it in the most loving way. They seem to somehow rise above the fray. They don't get into street fights. They don't slash and gash. They don't trash and burn. They build up. They bear. They're patient. They love. Real love, gritty love, true love. Tell you the truth and love, love. Not gonna give up on you, love. Not gonna let you go, love. Same way God loved me. Same way God loved you. A house of love, a community of love. This is a lot. Yeah, I got to be Christ-like. I thought I was, like, had to go down, pray a prayer, light bulb on the wall. Woo, that's getting complicated. They didn't tell me in access over there that I got to be Christ-like. I got to love God. Woo, <laughs> ah, it's a lot. Just ask God's spirit. If you know that you're saved, which one of these would you like me kind of to zero in on for a little bit? 
Now, I'm going to want to lean toward all of them because I want to be a mature follower of Jesus. I don't want to be a Christian in name. I don't want to have filled out a card. I don't want to just have raised a hand. I don't just want to put a light bulb on the wall. I don't want to have joined a membership role. I really do want to be like you. Which one of these things do you want me to kind of lock on to for right now? And maybe you can find somebody who will disciple you in that one thing. Somebody that you admire in that one thing. And say, will you just spend some time with me, maybe a couple coffees a month for maybe two, three months. Just talk to me about that thing, because you're really, that, that thing has your name on it. And they'll teach you, and you will grow. And I, I guarantee you that somebody will come along your path, and you'll go, I'm pretty good at this thing. I got a lot better last year, and I could help you become better at this thing. You want to grab a couple coffees, maybe, for a couple months? I'll teach you what I learned from her because, man, she helped me a lot. This is life, and it is a lifestyle lived for him. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thank you for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.